You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 146. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. It is 1.11 in the morning. I just love the fact that it's one eleven. I just think that when all the numbers are the same on the clock, it's just a really cool thing. And here I am at one eleven in the morning. I think it's Wednesday morning. I'm sort of tore up with all the days because Christmas just passed, and I've been building a swing set that we're now calling Fort Howell uh, in my brother's backyard for his children, my nieces and nephews, with the grandparents, our parents. And it's been like since... Christmas Day, which I think was Saturday. Yeah, it's been all day Saturday, all day Sunday, all day Monday. And then we went over there today and finished it up and unveiled it to the kids. And they were obviously super excited and playing the heck out of it. And um, considering they're two, three, and five, they learned how to climb up the little rock wall thing rather quickly and definitely were going down the slide to the point where I swear... Uh, one of them almost launched himself right off of it. And I was like, man, we almost had our first broken arm and we've been on it for seven minutes. So, uh, we did all that. And I do believe it's Wednesday morning at one eleven, And because I, my brain just clicks on all cylinders at this time of night, we're doing the podcast. And so I just got done doing a couple episodes of college success habits. So I have, um, episode this week lined up and then an episode for New Year's lined up because I am going to go to the city of sin, the sin den, Las Vegas for New Year's. And I'm super pumped about that uh, through the moon. Actually, it's just going to be an amazing experience. And so I'm like, hmm, what could we talk about on this episode. And then I go back and I realize that I had an amazing conversation with one of my tribal members the other day via text. Um, after a coaching session that we had together about a week ago, we instilled some new ideas that turned into action steps that he's been following through on for the last week. And it's been a pretty amazing experience for him to be uh, setting out these goals and accomplishing them. And, and changing different aspects of his life. And uh, like he has mentioned a couple of times in our text messages, actually being able to take on that um, observer role in his rewiring of his brain. And that's one of the coolest things about what I do is being able to guide um, people just like you through these concepts we talk about on the show, but with more um, action steps and more detailed laser focus on what it is they're seeking to achieve in life. And um, multiple of my clients have come to me with some similar patterns of behavior. So I'm putting them all on uh, their own unique strategy, but overall, very much a, a sequence that I developed for myself that we're now utilizing on multiple members of the tribe. And it's this idea of of not shooting ourselves out of this cannon and being more patient with what it is we seek to achieve. Because when we try to stack too many habits on top of one another, change too many things at once, uh, we overwhelm ourselves. And at first, we have all this amazing ambition, and we're super fired up, and we're just ready to go, 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 go. What ends up happening, though, is that we've stacked all of these new things on top of each other. And when one of them doesn't happen for a day, two, three, seven, all of a sudden, the whole thing can collapse. 
rather than just getting right back up on the horse because you missed a day or you missed an assignment or whatever it might be um, that, oh, damn it, I didn't follow through with a promise to myself again. And, well, you know, I don't like the way this this feeling of not having that success tastes right now. And so uh, it's what's another day and then another day. And then before you know it, you're right back to the same behaviors that you were wanting to get away from just a week ago. And that's something that we're all running into at times, right? We come out of the, we fire ourselves out of this cannon. We have this tremendous amount of ambition and we just want to go, 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 go especially if we spent years and years of our lives mired in addiction. Then we look back when we get into sobriety that we wasted all that time. And what do you do when you think that you've wasted a ton of time? You try to make up for that time now. And you might push yourself harder and harder and harder to to go further and further and further to try to somehow make up for 22 years of addiction. You cannot go back and make up for 22 years of your life spent at the bottom of the bottle. It's just mathematically impossible. Like no matter how ambitious you are, you can't make up for 22 years. But you can certainly start making changes in your life today that you'll look back on a week, a month, a year, and so on and so forth. You'll look back on and say, holy shnikes, I cannot believe how much I've changed, how much better my life is. And it's in this patience as we move toward our highest sense of self, it's in that patience that we can often become impatient. And that's when we want to start to stack and stack and stack and stack. And the idea of habit stacking was that you slide in a new habit where other habits already exist. But when you try to slide in four or five new habits into that one, now all of a sudden you've got all these new habits that haven't solidified. So when one doesn't work out, the whole thing can come crashing down. I think the, uh, the, metaphor I used today was that it's like if you're brushing your teeth and washing your face and you want to start flossing. So after you wash your face, you start to floss, then you brush your teeth and you do it for two or three days and you're like, well, hell, okay, that was that was super simple. But I water pick my teeth and then uh, after I'm done brushing my teeth, I'm going to do 10 push-ups and then I'm going to go journal for five minutes. And you start adding in all these new habits, but you haven't solidified the flossing. But because the flossing is what started all these other habits, if you miss that flossing even one day, all the other ones could fall apart too. And with it could actually go washing your face regularly or brushing your teeth because you've already broken a promise to yourself by not maintaining the flossing. And then you half-assed decided to throw in a bunch of other habits that you hadn't even solidified the flossing habit yet. So when they start to collapse, all of a sudden we feel like we didn't keep our word to ourselves. We start to get down on ourselves. And next thing you know, we're not washing our faces regularly. We're forgetting to brush our teeth at night. And next thing you know, one habit that wasn't solidified that we tried to slide in to habit stack ends up taking with it other positive habits that we had solidified. And in that process, now we've got to reintroduce all of these previously habituated um, actions back into our, their normal place. And then a month from now where it's like, okay, back to washing my face, back to brushing my teeth. Now let's try to floss. And then we'll floss for a few days and we'll try to throw in other habits because we're super ambitious and we want to go, 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 go. And I get it. I get it. Because success feels good. Success feels good. So we want more success. But when we haven't solidified that successful habit into our lives, when we haven't allowed the cement to dry 
and then we try to add on other layers, what we're doing is we're causing the entire wall to become unstable. And we're looking for stability and balance and homeostasis in our sobriety and recovery, not imbalance. Right? It's the stability is how we create this amazing foundation. This, this foundation that we're building, it will oftentimes never be even recognized by anybody else. They won't, they won't see or hear or feel all of the work you have been doing. A foundation for our house is never seen. A house goes on top of it. And people aren't like, well, that's a, that's a great house, but by goodness gracious, that is one hell of a foundation. No, because you don't see the foundation. But you do see a house that's standing after a hundred years. That, my friends, is a house that was built on a strong foundation. Because while the rest of the house may have needed remodeling, needed upkeeping, needed updating, that foundation has been there the whole time. It's been holding strong, keeping that house true. We've seen houses that weren't built on strong foundations start to sink into the ground. They start to uh, crack and they start to decay. Then the mold and the mice and the varmin come in. And before you know it, houses being abandoned. People have been wrapping tape around it. There are people in the neighborhood throwing rocks at it, breaking the windows. It becomes dilapidated. It becomes an eyesore. That's what happens when houses are built on weak foundations. So as you're building this new life, the foundation you're building it upon is of your utmost importance. And that's where the patience in growing yourself and evolving yourself is so important. Patience, and me and and the tribe member, and I didn't ask to say his name, so I I won't, but me and the tribe member who were talking about this via text, he he was coming back and saying that... um, has he? Because one of the things is he wanted to get into better physical shape, and so he had all these ideas and these things, and we came together, and ultimately, what we ended up create, co-creating together was this idea of just following through on some physical action every single day, and just habituating that, not necessarily to get super in shape or to lose weight or release weight or whatever it might be. It was like just begin to habituate daily action into your life, whatever that looks like for you. It could be a minute of jumping jacks. It could be 15 minutes of riding a bike. It didn't matter as long as it was one minute of something, just one minute of something. And I know for some of y'all out there like one minute of something, what's what's one minute? Somewhere in your life, it may not be with physical activity, but it might be with emotional maturity or uh, uh, conscious communication or vulnerable uh, uh, journal writing. Somewhere in your life, you're afraid of even doing one minute of something. So again, in this show and in my tribe, we do not judge. We seek to understand people in a new, more loving manner. Right? We don't judge right or wrong. We seek to understand. So when you hear somebody else is only doing something for a minute, instead of mocking it or thinking otherwise of it, simply ask yourself, hmm, that's pretty interesting. I wonder where in my life I'm trying to uh, shy away and not step into something that could be uh, advantageous for me to, to take on, but I'm not because of some level of fear some level of a lack of commitment, some worry that I won't keep a promise to myself, so why even start? The change you seek, the better version of your seat, of yourself that you seek in life is often found in the things that you are avoiding. Look in your life. What are you avoiding? Where are you avoiding certain behaviors? 
Where are you avoiding certain thoughts or certain feelings? Because it's in that avoidance that you will find where you will most often need to begin to put work right now, today. My my tribal member, he, he doing this physical exertion, right? Again, it was a commitment of one minute. It's since then grown, but that's the point. I always knew it would. I always knew it would grow. No one starts doing something for a minute and then continues doing it for a minute for the rest of their life. At some point, hedonistic adaptation kicks in. They get used to doing it for a, a minute and the mo- body and mind and spirit get together and say, we want to feel that feeling of success again, but we're not feeling it with one minute. Let's do it for five minutes. And then however long it takes for the hedonist- hedonistic adaptation to kick in and then the body, mind and spirit say, let's ramp it up again and now it's 10 and then 15 and then you look back one day and you're going to the gym three to five days a week and you're eating super healthy and you're drinking water and you're getting awesome sleep and you're emotionally vulnerable and uh, with the people that you love and you look back and you're like I can't even believe that this is my life and it all started with doing something for one minute a day one minute a day it's it's you know it, here's here's the thing and i and then i had a conversation with one of my other uh, tribal members during his session today about utilizing what has been what we what we've already been doing and just utilizing it in a different way and so before i don't want to get too far away from uh the patience thing cuz that actually was the whole topic for this and it might end up even being the the title of this episode but the whole idea was patience and um impulse control and understanding that uh Anyways, I'll get into that. Let me rewind. Today, in a session, I started to talk about with one of my members about how none of us just woke up one day and took our first drink. And then before, and then that very same day, we're doing gravity bong squats and we're chugging tons of beer and we're doing Jaeger bombs and we're staying up till five in the morning and spending all our money on cocaine. That wasn't what our first day of using looked like. Our first day of using was just a taste. And then that, then that one beer all of a sudden wasn't getting us buzzed anymore. So it became two and then four and then six. And then that wasn't enough. So we added in a little weed or some nicotine. And then before you know it, we're throwing in a couple shots and maybe dropping some Xanax into our beers. And right then all of a sudden you look back in a year later and it's like, you haven't been sober in a whole year. And you're like, why the frick did this happen? And that was my freshman year in college. I got intoxicated every single day of my freshman year in college for one. And that was because we had partied so hard on blow and shots of Jaeger and vodka and all this liquor that we literally had damn near given ourselves alcohol poisoning. And we just could not, we just, I remember me and and my buddy at the time, uh, we were roommates and, or I was staying in his dorm all the time. And uh, we had the bunk beds is how it was set up in his room. And uh, I was on the top and he was on the bottom one. And we were just both sitting there like going through this detox. And we were just in miserable, agonizing, hellacious pain. And that was the only day our freshman year we didn't consume alcohol. And if you'd asked me on day one when I took that first shot or drank that first beer, if I, if by the end of the second term that I would be literally you know plowing through a, a case of beer and smoking three joints and doing blow every night, that that would have been my life. I'd have been I'd have laughed you out of the room. So why do I tell that story? Because if I got into addiction by slowly bringing in and introducing one more beer each time. And and then the hedonistic adaptation kicked in and all of a sudden I was no longer satisfied with two or three beers and now it had to be six and then more. We can utilize that same strategy that 
our mind and body is already created, we can just utilize it in sobriety. See, when we go to take on these new habits, we try to say, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna work out seven days a week, and I'm going to walk 12,000 steps, I'm going to do all this nutrition and all this water, and we try to do, we just try to freaking shoot ourselves out of a cannon, and I'm like, ah, here I come to save the day, I'm just going to plow through walls and make the best version of myself, and I'm going to do it all in one day. Well, that's not how we became addicts in one day. So why not utilize the same strategy of how we became an addict, but now we're just using those resources for good instead of evil. Now we realize, okay, if I slowly integrate one new thing in and it has the hedonistic adaptation takes control, and you don't have any control over this. You don't have to ask your mind, body, and spirit to get bored with something in your life. It's just going to happen. You buy, you buy the new thing that you couldn't live without, and a month later, you find it underneath the couch, and you didn't even know it was there. Hedonist, hedonistic adaptation, and I learned this in a oh, some course that I took from Yale during the pandemic. Anyways, it's not important where I learned it from, but I became pretty obsessed with this course and like just did my usual Jesse stuff and just tore it apart and like listened to it 10 times, and I took the most intense notes on it. But hedonistic adaptation was my big takeaway from that that we just get used to things and then we have to raise the bar. We did it in addiction, so let's do it in the sobriety and recovery. Let's just slowly introduce new things until hedonistic adaptation kicks in. We'll naturally want to raise the bar and then just go from a minute to five to 10 to 15. And eventually, I promise you, you will get to that seven days a week and drinking all the water and eating all the food. If that's where you want to go with it, then that's where it will take you. And you won't even have to force it on yourself. It will just naturally occur. You just have to habituate the behavior every single day until one minute becomes five and 10 and 15. And so now let's go back to the original conversation that started all this on. Is that my my member, he, he, he had texted me that uh, his brain generally wants to go into obsession, obsession creation mode and come up with the 77 steps to be the perfect blank. But then reality sets in and all and it all rolls back within a week later. Right? So step by step and all the ambition comes to fruition just with actionable steps that can be habituated. Now this is what I had wrote to him. Right? The brain so let me let me slow down cuz I'm sitting here reading these show notes and I think I was reading what I thought he wrote and instead I was writing what I wrote. So let me go back to what he wrote. Are y'all keeping up with me? Maybe doing podcasts at 1:30 in the morning. <laughs> Is it the best idea? Uh, here I come to save the day. Mighty Mouse reference for those of you who weren't a child of the 80s. Um, so the, the the tribal member writes that his brain starts thinking of ambitious exercise programs and systems and routines and goals. And then it talks itself into these loops about keeping it simple versus being excited enough to be motivated, right? He steps out of this version of himself that's thinking of all this ambitious stuff when he wants to start stacking and piling and he just he steps out and he just observes himself doing the push-ups and remembering that the goal is really to just do what he said he would do right and he already won the game for the day and the game was just following through with the promise he made to himself and then i came in with the brain generally will want to go off into obsession creation mode and come up with 77 steps to be the perfect blank but then reality sets in and it all rolls back within a week later. So step by step, if you just do things step by step, all the ambition comes to fruition. It's with actionable steps that can be habituated. 
And then he came back and said, I think the habit of patience is probably the most difficult one. I can identify and think of solution opportunities all day long, but it can often be the act of patience that's the easiest habit to say and then not do. And then we started to connect this to impulse control, which is something that we've talked a lot about in in previous episodes. And I think impulse control actually has its very own episode. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this quickly without sounding weird on the microphone. I was going to try to go back and tell you guys what episode impulse control was. Episode 76. Not as hard as I thought it'd be. So episode 76, we talk about impulse control. We're at 147 now. So that was a long time ago. And if you're listening to this linearly, then you listened to that like a year and a half ago. So now we'll talk about impulse control with patience. And I wrote something to him that actually became like the whole moniker for this episode is that patience isn't the act of waiting. It's the attitude you have while waiting. He wrote back to me, impulsivity and addiction is basically basically just not being patient, right? We have this addiction, right? So we, we have this impulse to uh, overcome an emotion, a feeling. We have this impulse to, uh, we had a bad day, let's bury it away. Or we had a great day, let's celebrate it, right? It's this impulse to do something because of something that happened in our lives, right? And then all of a sudden we decide that our reward is going to be alcohol and drugs. And then slowly but surely the hedonistic adaptation kicks in. And before you know it, you're an addict. So if patience isn't the act of waiting, but it's the attitude you have while waiting, then what is the attitude that you have that might be leading you to a lack of impulse control? And what is the attitude that you can begin to take on now that will increase your impulse control? That will allow you to step back and take a breath for five or 10 seconds to stop the spiraling, the the going down the rabbit hole that clearly hasn't paid off dividends in the past. Why would it pay off dividends now? With one of the tribal members, um, he started going down the rabbit hole just just relentlessly. And I had to interrupt him and, and and kept going until I pattern interrupted him into silence. And then I just had him breathe for a minute. And then I just went into one of my little encouragement NLP language pattern sessions with him for a few minutes that just got him to ground himself, be able to show himself a way out of the rabbit hole. Because when we get ourselves all wound up, what we're really doing is that we're falling back into previous behaviors of, you know, get ourselves real juiced up, get ourselves real amped up. And then all of a sudden we have all this energy and it can be negative energy. It can be very undesirable energy, but it's still in us regardless. Now it needs to be uh, executed. It needs, something needs to be executed. The body has this energy. Something needs to happen with it. Back in the day, it was pounding back some beers and muting our emotions. That's not an option anymore. We chose a better way of life. So now we get to choose a different behavior to get this energy out of us. Oftentimes it's to calm ourselves down, breathe in deep. It's in that breathing that that energy actually gets to be internalized. It gets to spread out through the body, but in a more positive, uplifting manner. We don't have to rage against the machine. We don't have to smash things. We don't have to yell. We can literally just reel it in, bring it back to ourselves. What are you saying to yourselves as you get into these moments? When you have this patience, right? And then the the tribal member going back to the patience session, we started talking about how it connects back to Michael Singer's untethered soul. And it's this, this idea of these soul concepts. 
All right, that when we have this voice, I just whacked the microphone, so you may have heard that. When we have this voice in our heads that's, that's driving us toward towards something, right? And, and we lack this impulse control. So we want to add more steps and more steps and more steps before we've solidified the, the first step, right? Then we, start to, then we start to spiral in our heads. We start to say things. And that voice isn't us. That voice is, um, it can be an amalgamation of all the people who have ever told us that we're not good enough. It could be just one singular voice of the parent or the primary caregiver from our childhood telling us something that became a negative anchor, it can be any of these possible hypotheticals I'm throwing out, plus infinite more. So I won't even dive deeper into hypotheticals. But you know that voice in your head isn't you, right? The voice in your head that, that, that talks to you negatively and undesirably, that's not you. You don't want to talk to yourself that way. Your true voice is hidden beneath all of those. When you find yourself encouraging and supporting yourself, those voices may not even necessarily be yours. It's in that mindful self-awareness that we start to say, are any of these voices me? Or is me really the silence, the divinity, the power from within that, that just naturally encourages me to go and there are no voices attached to it? Is my natural divinity, is my highest sense of self really my ability to just be patient with myself? to slowly integrate in new behaviors and new ideas until they're able to take hold and anchor themselves and just naturally create this highest sense of self? Is the hedonistic adaptation that I've been referencing throughout this entire episode, is that really just my highest sense of self, my true voice inside of me that has no voice but just has energy? Is that really just what is driving me forward? Is that what can be creating this version of me that I know is inside that I'm looking to externalize? When we think about our self-worth, we know that's internal. When we think about self-esteem, we know that's external. All the external praise and validation in the world will never amount to a hill of beans compared to the positivity we can have for ourselves within ourselves. And that comes from our divinity. That comes from that divine essence. And I'm not getting religious here. As much as you know, when you're doing something positive for yourself, you get that physiological uh, reference. Your unconscious mind, like right now, it's sending me shivers. I've got chills. The hairs on my arms are standing up. It tells me that what I'm talking about is meant to be heard by you and even by me right now in this moment. When are you being mindful and self-aware? of how your body is sending you messages, that something is happening in your life right now you need to be more mindful and more aware of. It could be an undesirable behavior, and it can also be a desirable behavior. But it's in your self-awareness, it's in your mindfulness of what your body and your mind are sending to these signals that you'll be able to then step out of it and take on that third-person observer role and ask yourself, is the sensation I'm getting right now because what's happening desirable or undesirable? I've done this so much, I absolutely can tell the difference. We all have a third-person observer in our lives. I don't need to teach you NLP for it to exist. We all have it. Now, with NLP, I teach you the, the, the power of harnessing it into your life, but it already exists. It's how you know someone's giving you the side eye from across the room. It's how you know somebody has entered into a room and that all of a sudden you become keenly aware of them there. 
It's how you, you just, you feel a sense. It's like when you talk about that sixth sense and you just felt something was off about someone or something was off about that situation or that place, that's your third person observer because they can be everywhere and nowhere all at the same time. They can already be inside the diner you're walking into. They can already be five minutes into the future and they can already see where this is going and they can come back and say, we should stop or yeah, keep plowing forward. Keep doing that. That is awesome. I know this might seem a little heady and a little theoretical, but I think about this a lot. So I'm just, I'm, and honestly, I'm just totally going off the cuff right now. But this is stuff that I think about. This is stuff that I, I really, truly have, have noticed within myself. And I know the observer role exists because I've read about it in psychology books. So this exists and it obviously exists in NLP. I teach it in perceptual positions so that you can step out of yourself and you can go into the other person in the interaction and you can gain more perspective of what their perspective is based on what they're seeing from their point of view. And then you can take on this third person observer role and you can see how the entire situation is playing out. You may not necessarily always get it right, whether you're judging the situation right or wrong, right? And again, seek to understand And it's in the seeking to understand yourself that you can take on all these different points of view. And then you can just evaluate which one of them out of the myriad of things happening around you at any given second of the day, which one of these points of view would be the most advantageous to enlighten you on how to move forward with a determination that what you seek is also seeking you. When we talk about patients in our addiction recovery, we cannot just snap our fingers and be five years in. On January 13th of 2022, I will turn five years old in my sobriety and recovery, and I have no idea how I got here. In Okay, let me take it back. I know exactly how I got here. I've been journaling about it enough, and I've got 140-some episodes to make sure I know how I got here. But as far as like the enormity of my life, the things that I have accomplished, the things I have created, like, what? Sometimes I'm, I feel like David Byrne from the Talking Heads and the song, uh, In the Days Go By. No idea what the real title of that song is. And my goodness, I feel like I'm talking a mile a minute. But I know one of the things he says in that song is, how did I get here? In the days go by, water flowing underground, right? We just get where we're going. And we often don't necessarily remember every single one of those little micro actions that we took that got us here. Because for me, I started to habituate the micro actions that I knew would lead me to my highest sense of self. And once they became solidified, they just went back into the unconscious mind. I didn't have to think about them anymore. One of the members of the tribe uh, points out that there are certain mantras or certain sayings that I will say over and over and over again for a stream of episodes. And then I just stop saying them. And my only idea around that is that I must say it so many times until it just locks in and becomes a way of life for me that it goes into the unconscious mind and just becomes my default behavior. And once that happens, I just stop saying it because it already exists anchored in a thousand different ways into my brain. So that's just now how I'm behaving. So I don't have to continue to repeat the mantra anymore. I used to, in my old office, have a piece of paper where I would just write down all the mantras, all of these sayings, all of these quotes that I would say. The thing it ended up being like three sheets of like 40 on per. It was a pretty long piece of paper. It was like three feet 
three feet long piece of paper. And I just had them thumbtacked up on the walls. And uh, they're packed away now behind my office chair in my, in my new Victoria's Secret bedroom. <laughs> if you've seen, for those of you not in the tribal sessions or haven't seen me on TikTok, uh, I think I did one thing on TikTok and then the whole, all the walls are pink and people couldn't understand why. And it's because uh, the room in the house that I'm staying in used to belong to a, a young child. <laughs> She's since moved out and it's now my room and the walls are pink. Anyways, I digress. Uh, I used to have a bunch of quotes on the wall. Now they're all solidified. They're habits. I don't repeat them anymore. You might have written them down and repeated them enough. And then all of a sudden you stopped saying them too. And you don't know why it's because they sunk in, they anchored and you can move past them now knowing that they're just a way of being for you. So as we wrap this up, cause I didn't want this episode to be too long and it's almost two in the morning. <laughs> it's, I love you guys. I love you guys for just being a part of this with me. Um, because I really expand upon thoughts that I have with the members of the tribe or just other people in general. I take these ideas that I have and then I expand upon them and it just becomes an awesome new way for me to absorb the material. So think about your patience. It's not the act of waiting. It's your attitude you have while you're waiting. So if you find yourself uh, lacking some impulse control and still going for things that you would rather not be, ask yourself, where are you not being patient in this journey you're on of sobriety and recovery? Where are you wanting something to happen now, 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 now? Fire yourself out of the cannon and you lose momentum. It's the tortoise and hare all over again. The tortoise stream just sprints off. I'm going to go fast, fast, fast and gets bored with the race and falls asleep underneath the tree. And meanwhile, Mr. Slow and Steady over there wins the race. You are the slow and steady. Be the slow and steady. As you begin to create this new version of yourself, realize that one minute of doing something brand new for one day is awesome. And then set the goal to do it for one more minute the next day and the next day, and the next day. And before you know it, it's two minutes, and four, and eight. And further down the road is a version of you waiting, waiting for you that's habituated this into its normal way of life. And now all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what's going on that day, you're getting 10,000 steps. You're going to the gym three days a week. You're drinking a gallon of water. You're weighing all of your food. You're doing all of these things. You're having heartfelt emotional conversations. You're creating healthy boundaries that allow everybody to coexist in your space and feel loved and also feel your love. And you look back and you're like, wow, wow. Look at what I created. I would much rather accomplish a goal slowly and know that at the end of the slowness, the goal will be accomplished than to set a ton of goals and accomplish none of them all because I fired myself out of the cannon and couldn't keep up that pace. I read somewhere in one of the audio, maybe I didn't read it, maybe I listened to it on Audible, that that's generally the problem that we have as a human species in accomplishing our goals, is that we come firing ourselves out of the cannon and we cannot maintain that intensity. And as the intensity falls, starts to wane, we begin to think that means that we're no longer interested in it. That it's no longer something that we really cared about. It is something that we cared about, but the intensity had no choice but to eventually wane. It 
It's just the way that our brains work. The hedonist adaptation kicks in. And if, so then, then if we came out of the canon and then we get start to get bored of it, and then we are like, okay, well, hedonist adaptation dictates, dictates that I should be ramping it up. But we already fired ourselves out of a canon. Where do we have space to ramp it up? Oh my goodness, I just realized this has a lot to do with something I was taught when I first got to Hollywood. You go into the audition, you don't come in firing on all cylinders. You come in pretty calm, pretty normal, because as soon as they say, okay, an action, and this was on my TV hosting um, auditions, if you come in being all Jesse, firing on all cylinders, then when they say action, I'm just getting back to that version of me that I was when I walked through the door. But if you come in calm and and centered and patient and you say hello to everybody and then they say action and then I'm like, hey, welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Jesse Mogul and I'm here at the Temple of the Doom. Man, this place is amazing. Somewhere in this vicinity, the Holy Grail is located. And I'm telling you what, Indiana Jones is getting ready to go through this entire gauntlet right now. And at the other end of it is the Holy Grail. That's right, everybody. That's right. The cup that Jesus literally drank out of during the Last Supper. I cannot wait for this. I know you can't wait for this. Let's get in there right now and let's watch Indiana Jones travail through the Temple of Doom. We'll be back after these messages, right? Like that's what you would do during the audition. But if you come in firing on all cylinders, there's nowhere to ramp it up to. So come in at a nice even keel. And then there's room for you to ramp it up. Then there's space for you to grow. Right? It doesn't mean that down the line you're not going to, you know, have those moments where you hit the nitrous and you're raw, you know, like a car would be. But you've already got the momentum. You don't start the car and then push the gas pedal at five miles an hour, slam the nitrous button and just fire up to 200. I don't know if that's even possible. I don't know enough about cars to even know if that metaphor was a good metaphor. It just doesn't sound like something that they would feature on the movies, The Fast and the Furious, because it doesn't sound like something somebody in a kind of car like that would do. No. They get up to 110, and then they hit the nitrous, and boom. Then they cross the finish line, maybe in one piece, maybe maybe not. It was the Fast and the Furious movies. They crashed a lot of cars. <laughs> Again, best metaphor ever? I'm not so sure. But we understand the meaning behind the metaphor. right? You want to have momentum. You can hit nitrous once in a while, but whenever the nitrous wears off, you already were going 100 miles an hour. You are, and there's already more space to get up to the 200 miles an hour because you're growing incrementally one mile an hour at a time. Do this for yourself. Put this into practice. Start doing something for one minute every day. Watch how hedonistic adaptation kicks in, and before you know it, it's two, and it's four, and it's eight, and then you look back, and you're like, wow. I am straight crushing this. And then that excitement and that, in, that, that intensity you get from fulfilling a promise to yourself, following through, keeping your word and honoring your word to yourself, showing up every day and striving to be the best version of yourself, that's what you'll feel. That's what will keep you going. It'll cause you to want to keep ramping it up. Striving to be the best version of yourself every day can oftentimes mean not trying to add a thousand things onto your plate at one time. One bite at a time is how you eat an elephant. One brick at a time is how you lay a wall or build a house or whatever. Do the same thing in your life. You didn't wake up chugging a keg of beer and going through a kilo of blow and being intoxicated every single day for 22 years. You didn't wake up being that way. 
Day one, it was one beer. Day two, another beer, and then another, and then another. So use that same principle, but for good, not evil. And then just add on one thing at a time. And I can assure you, if you take what we're discussing in this episode and you apply it to these last ones we've talked about, who you're being while you're getting there, internalizing your goals to make sure they're meant for you. You are not what you do. Fear, people recognizing and understanding your changes, the mask that we wear, all the way back to passing the baton, episode 139. Hell, even go a couple before that and that self-awareness of taking action in your emotions and understanding them. Conflict avoidance. If you go all the way back to 136 and you look at each one of those as one more little piece you add, Right? I'm not asking you to, to apply these every single week, to, to habituate them within a week. Some of these might take you a while. If you're always listening to my show, walking around in circles or in your car or in the background while you're at work, there, there's, there's a lot of material here. You probably should be taking some notes. And then just take one episode and say, you know what, this next 21 days or one month, I'm just going to really practice this episode. If you do that, and I get that there's 146 of these things, and that would require a lot of, of patience in order to implement them all. But certain episodes speak more to you than others. Go back. Really internalize those episodes. Take some patience and have it stack this in slowly. Building this wall, allowing each layer to solidify, to harden before you add on the next layer. The more you do this, the more you keep your word to yourself, the more you get to feel this amazing exuberance when you follow through on what you say you're going to do for you. And I can assure you, it, that feeling, it's, it's, it is better than any drug. It is better than any shot of vodka. It is better than any buzz you've ever had. That feeling of success, that feeling of accomplishment. Ugh! I mean, I've done it to myself Hundreds of times. Hell, shooting a podcast at 1.53 in the morning on a Wednesday, this is the excitement that I can feel from following through with a promise I made to myself when I got up this morning. I knew I had a full day ahead of me. And I was like, man, I'm probably not going to get on the microphone till midnight. But I'm not going to go to bed until these episodes are shot. Not because y'all are sitting out there waiting, staring at your phone. You got your life. You got other things going on. I've been releasing two episodes a week since I started this whole baton passing thing December 1st. It's a lot of episodes. But because I've made that commitment to myself that I wanted this stuff out there, I've had a burning desire to get it out there to you. Like everything else I do for myself, right? I, I've turned a passion into a purpose, so now it benefits me and it benefits you. And you can find that. You can find that in yourself. This purpose that you seek in your addiction recovery, you find it through your curiosities, through your interests, and through your passions. And if you have patience with yourself while you're in this journey of self-discovery, you'll realize that you don't just snap your fingers and find your purpose, that it grows slowly, that it becomes your curiosities, which become your interests, which become your passions. And it's from your passions that your purpose sprouts. But I'm getting shivers again. This feels good. And it's in the patience, in the process, that the true depths of discovery can be had. That is where your holy grail is. Well, Indiana Jones, you know, travels through the Temple of Doom looking for the holy grail, throwing sand down on invisible blocks and, you know, trying not to have spears fire at him through side to side. 
right? There was a patience in his maneuvers. It was a patience in his journey through that temple that allowed him to bypass the doom and get to the grail. It can work for you too. I'll get you out of here on this because I did not expect to go to 43 minutes at this point in the show. Um, I, I, I released 35 pounds in 135 days and I've set upon myself a goal and I've talked about this with y'all to accomplish growing 12 pounds of muscle onto this frame in the year 2022. And even if I can only get six or eight pounds of muscle still, that would feel and look pretty phenomenal on this frame. And there's a process I'm going through there's a guy named Grego Gallagher who runs a company called Kino Body, K-I-N-O Body, Kino Body. He's the person I use for all of my my workout programs, and he's got great nutrition advice and all of this stuff. And while I've certainly, when I coach my people on physical fitness and nutrition, I've certainly added in a ton of other stuff this dude doesn't even think about covering. He was the foundation for what got me into this idea of, of really taking control of my life by taking control of my body. Sean T showed me that I could do that through insanity. And he taught me that phrase, take control of your body by taking control of your life. And that led me through a bunch of other programs that ultimately led me to Kino Body, K-I-N-O Body. If you want to check them out, I don't have an affiliate link. Don't get paid for this. I'm just telling you what I use. And I really love his programs. They're simple, they're amazing, and they actually provide results if you stick with them and follow what he talks about. And even if I don't reach 12 pounds, I still will have accomplished a great deal. But in this process of putting on muscle, I've also got to put on other weight, and it's going to come in the form of fat. And now all of a sudden, I don't have that torso I had in the summer when I was posting pictures of me walking around in circles in 106-degree heat in Santa Clarita. I don't have that anymore. Right, I don't, it's not that I, I it's not that I've ballooned back to where I was, but certainly when you're at 173 and you used to be at 159, that's 14 pounds I've put on. I look different, but it's part of the process. And if I freak out because I put on some weight, so I try to strip it back down to, into the low 160s, then I'm not putting on muscle and I'm not getting to the goal that I seek to achieve. So I have to have patience in the process. I won't look at myself in the mirror every day and be thrilled with what looks back because I know what I I know what's locked inside of me. I know the potential to achieve this is there. I I have to have patience while it unfolds. I'm literally asking my body to turn 180 grams of protein that I consume every day into 15 grams of muscle. That's a 12 to 1 ratio. Some days it's going to nail it, some days it's not. And I won't know until I get further into this process, but flipping out about it now while I'm only three weeks into it isn't going to help the situation. I have to be patient with the process. And as I move through the process, I can evaluate my application of the steps. I can do things to gauge how much muscle I'm gaining versus fat. I can look at the numbers in my workout book and say, are my lifts going up? There's a machine at my gym that literally spins you around in a circle and somehow it comes back with how much your fat and how much your lean mass is. So when I do that again in two or three months, if my lean mass has gone up, you know, um, two pounds and did that in two months, then I know that I'm gaining a pound of muscle a month. Now, if I've, my weight's gone up six months, then there's a good chance my fat went up four. Do I want to keep that ratio? 
For every four pounds of fat, I get two pounds of muscle, two to one ratio. By the end of the year, that leaves me 48 pounds of fat heavier and only 12 pounds of muscle heavier. That's a lot of fat I got to get rid of. Right now, I'm running you through a bunch of numbers you don't care about. But the point is, is I've done this thinking. I've done this math. It's my brain just does it automatically. But I understand that there's patience in the process to not get flipped out when I look at the scale and it doesn't say what I'd like it to. When I look in the mirror and what's looking back at me isn't what I would like. Not that I'm mad at what I look like, but it's just that this isn't where I want to be. But I know where I want to be is hundreds and hundreds of days ahead of me. So I'm going to be patient now, knowing that version of me is waiting there. It's waiting there. The only way to achieve it is with patience in the process. To each and every day, work toward that goal by just following the process, habituating the steps, and knowing that it works. I know that it works because other people have done it. You know this stuff works because other people have done it. You know you can you can not just survive, but thrive and prosper in addiction recovery because other people have done it. The proof is in the pudding, and it's all around you. And so when we talk about patience, I want you to embrace this idea of patience. Take on impulse control. And, and, and just really, really, like, when you find yourself in a situation where it's not going the way that you would prefer, Understand that patience isn't waiting. It's the attitude you have while you're waiting. Love you all. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. If you would like to know more, if you'd like to be more included in the tribal sessions, if you'd like to just hear about everything that's going on that the show can't even begin to express, DM me on Instagram at Jesse Mogul at From Sobriety to Recovery. Email me from sobriety to recovery at gmail.com. I am here. Step forward. Raise your hand. I will call upon you. It is your turn. You know where we're leading with this. What what is it? What am I getting ready to say? I know you know it. I know you know it. So say it along with me. Three, two, one. Every day is the best day of our lives because we wake up so I, I I wanted to sing that louder, I did. I did, but there are people sleeping in this house, and it's 2.01 in the morning. Every day is the best day of our lives because we wake up sober. Okay. Shout out to Sunshine. Glow on. If this was your first episode, you think I'm crazy. Either way, I'll see you all next week. Guess what? Here comes the new year. Much love, everybody. Bye-bye.